This podcast has been so much fun to create, and many of the guests have become dear friends over the last two years. One of those friends has even become a key sponsor of this podcast. Alexandria Taylor of the Taylor Law Firm has become such a vital part of both my personal and professional life. Her law firm has supported, counseled, and represented me through several evictions of properties I own, helped with deed preparation, and so much more. She runs an amazing law firm right here in the city of Detroit, and for anyone looking for an attorney, I could not recommend her more. We have also found an amazing partnership with Mario Ria of Huntington Bank. He has been a guest on this podcast and a mortgage lender for more than 20 of my clients. Also, a generous soul who always gives more effort and care than anyone in the business. Without any hesitation, I recommend Mario for all of your mortgage and refinance needs, and have backed up that claim with my own mortgage recently. Mario is always ready and will give you the best rate available with the lowest cost up front. In fact, right now, he has a program that covers up to 10000 of your down payment and all but 500 of your lender costs, making home ownership more affordable than ever before. And when you get that home under contract, you'll need an inspector. And Shane Summers of Veterans Pride Home Inspections has been a generous sponsor, not only of this podcast, but also of my real estate team for years. We love Shane so much, we even invited him to our holiday party. His company is always available to meet your tight inspection deadline, and he delivers peace of mind as you make one of the largest financial decisions of your life. For all of your home inspection needs, call Shane from Veterans Pride Home Inspections and know that you'll be in good hands. Now, back to our podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Detroit Real Estate Experts Podcast. I am your host, Jay Taylor. With me today is Zach Lennon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, today we're drinking El Silencio Mezcal, so cheers to uh, a good Wednesday afternoon. Cheers. <laughs> it's worth noting um, that the podcast today is in an 80-degree room. Oh, yeah. Not sure why the air conditioning is not cooling us off today. Um, probably because there is no AC. It's, you know, a cold day outside. But these, the internal office we're in is just blazing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you see me stripping my shirt off slowly, uh, no judgment. Well, I already did. It's fitting with the mezcal. That's right. That's right. The more mezcal we drink, the less clothing we wear. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, so for everyone listening, I'm going to let you give us the 30-second view of who you are and what you do. Sure. So, Introduce uh, yourself. Sure, yeah. So I'm Zach Lennon. Uh, I come from uh, a background in architecture. I am the uh, commercial department manager for Seat Tile and Stone out of Troy. And I also uh, am partner of a company called X Identity, which does visualization, design, and uh, branding. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much summarizes it. My background is uh, in, in mostly architectural design, visualization work. And um, yeah, and so we've been, uh, we started X Identity about seven years ago, and we've grown it up to about 15 people now. That's crazy. And I mean, X Identity is cool. I've employed or hired X Identity to do a lot of digital renderings for some of my stuff, and the work is incredibly high caliber, but I'm like the smallest fish you work with. You guys have clients at like the U of M level, at the Formula One level, like you guys do work that's global. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really taken off the last couple years, um, and I think uh, partially, I, I think it might be due to COVID a little bit, with a lot of firms kind of downsizing, and it uh, really kind of boosted us. So we've become an extension to some of these studios, these architecture firms that we work with, and uh, like you said, mentioned Formula One. Uh, we've been doing some stuff with. Uh, 
um, like the Miami Open and just a couple of other stadium projects and Detroit projects that I can't really talk about, but it's been really exciting and taking <laughs> off. It's really cool. If you search 1529 Broadway, which is a condo listing I have, uh, they have a, a $3.5 million condo that's for sale there and a $1.7 million condo that's for sale there. And it's the $3.5 million one that you guys did the renderings for, and it turned out so good. So yeah, it's a fun check it out. Um, the Seat Tile and Stone stuff, like it's yeah. high-end stuff. We're talking, I mean, you check out that website, it is some of the most stunning stone facades you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so Seat, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's one of the largest importers of uh, natural stone and tile in North America. And uh, in the Midwest, our Troy location has the largest inventory quantity of, uh, of uh, exotic slabs that you can find anywhere. So if you're looking for like the high-end calicatas and then all the way down to your inexpensive granites, and then you have your porcelain centered stone options, and then all the backsplash tile mosaics, things like that, um, that's where, uh, where Siet kind of specializes. So it is more known for its higher end finishes. Did you guys do that stone <laughs> install at the lobby at 1529 Broadway? Uh, no, we didn't, but that would have been a, a good one to be on. <laughs> would have been fun, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, from floor to ceiling, there's a, a whole hallway that is just, it looks like, I think it's the porcelain stuff. Yeah, yeah. if you've been to the, uh, the federal building over where, um, like near, uh, what's it called? Like the dime store where the... Uh, yeah, I know the federal building. Yes, so uh, right in that lobby, all of the onyx that's backlit on the wall, that's all Seat. Stop it. Yeah, that's so that's, yeah, it's a pretty cool project. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking at buying a building for my company, and I just told you about the, the entryway where there's a fireplace and it's a common area. It'd be really fun to outfit that whole thing with some luxury okay. stone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the most expensive price per square foot that you've sold? Um, so we have a in-house uh, mosaics department, and uh, they, and they will actually cut to size pretty much anything a designer can imagine. So when it comes to square footage, you have we have our the calicata, which will come in, you know, it's it's in the three hundred and up per square foot price range. But we've got some onyx uh, marble that will also hundred dollars per square foot. Oh, per that's, square foot, yeah. That's the price of Powabic tile. Oh yeah, I yeah. love it. There's some that get up there too. They get upwards of five hundred and, and up too. But uh, it really depends on the quarry, and the, the quarry seasons are all different. And we import from pretty much every single country imaginable for the natural stone. So it's, it's has COVID impacted with the whole supply chain and the whole like labor <laughs> shortage? Has it affected your price? Uh, it has. It's mainly because of a lot of the the newer stuff that's coming in. It didn't at first, but we're just starting to see it now where a lot of these container prices that have shot through the roof are kind of you know skyrocketing. And so that's pushed a lot of the natural stone up. Um, but from a lot of the distributors that we work with, uh, or the suppliers that we work with, uh, uh, domestically, we haven't seen too much of a jump. Most of it is maintained. What's the coolest domestic product? Like everyone thinks about Carrera marble. Everyone thinks about this, you know, bizarre, weird, from Italy imported. But what's the coolest thing the U.S. is making right now? Uh, there's there's some pretty cool quarries, um, uh, in particular like the Vermont quarries that put out some really nice white marble, uh, commonly known as Imperial Danby, which is a beautiful. Pure white with some, it's got some greens and some golds in there. And I mean, maybe it's more subjective. It's my personal favorite, but 
Uh, but uh, it's just cool to know that's that's also the stone that's on a lot of the uh, Washington monuments, all the famous buildings and things like that. So it's kind of uh, okay. It's an uh, old quarry. Old quarry, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not new at all. Yeah. So and then there's uh, um, uh, in terms of like engineered products, there's uh, some pretty cool porcelain pavers which are kind of taking over and so these are two centimeter thick basically imagine it's like a large tile yeah say tile is about two centimeters right yeah exactly and then the, you can't really like top the uh, the characteristics of like a porcelain tile so it's you know it's stain resistant uh it frost resistant and uh they don't color fade or anything like that and so when it comes to like these these uh pavers they can sit on pedestals they can be dry laid you know just in on you know over grass or dirt or whatever the sub uh, the substrate is but you can also put them on these pedestals and it's being a new thing that's being utilized for a lot of these like rooftops that don't uh, you know it's just like the rubber membrane and these pedestals can go right on top of the rooftop so now you're activating the rooftop as like a terrace and you can see this I'm trying to think there's stop it my building that I'm buying has a rooftop that's what you need yeah so the uh, you gotta do this yeah ladder uh, I'm traveling I think it's ladder four is a new wine bar that just opened I know up it, yeah. they've got it on the roof um the Roy apartments over in Royal Oak has uh, the, uh, their whole plaza or their whole uh, roof terrace has the pavers. So it's just a cool new thing that's kind of popping up. So in my opinion, that's a new cool product that's domestic. Has to be, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. And, you know, I love my podcast because we bring in non-realtors mm-hmm. to talk about what I would say is real estate adjacent content. And what you're doing is bringing a fresh perspective to something that, you know, I've been flipping buildings now for years, but to think about coordinating with local vendors who are experts in something mm-hmm. and saying, let's predict the next trend. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's find the coolest product that, again, because it's domestic and isn't as expensive to import, maybe you can get it for a f- cheaper price, but it has just the same wow factor. Yeah. Uh, the condos I'm selling downtown have this like four foot by four foot, what looks like marble, but it's porcelain. Mm-hmm. What does one of those slabs cost? So the porcelain um, slabs, they're going to be about uh, the price of like, uh, we'll say like the mid to lower grade marbles. So it, it's not uh, super expensive, but the nice thing with the porcelain is you, and especially with the quality of the prints that they can do now, yeah. you virtually can't tell the difference. You put a natural stone next to like a porcelain or a sintered stone is what they're calling them, um, and you cannot tell the difference. So it is, it, it, it fools most people and uh, the price is significantly less. The only difference, especially like if you're doing a vertical wall, like in this case, um, it'll be much less on the installation price than a natural stone too. But if you're doing it for like a countertop, that's usually where the price is a little higher because of um, the fabrication costs is a little more. And with porcelains, there's a little bit of a challenge with doing like mitered edges, things like that. So you can usually just do a finished polished edge or something along those lines to help bring the cost down. But okay, yeah. But yeah, so those are all really interesting. Like, a person would say, I want this stone, I want it here. Mm-hmm. They think that stone's going to be cheaper, but once they put it in a different application maybe it wasn't designed for, yeah. it turns out, you know, well, you really wanted us to do a mitered edge, and it took us four stones to get it right, and we had to charge <laughs> yep. you for all of them. <laughs> yes, yes. Quadruple your costs. Fascinating <laughs> stuff. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Well, talk to me a little bit about your current real estate goals. We've known each other for a long time, <laughs> yeah. and you've never used me to buy or sell. So I know, what I the know. Hell? And uh, well, it, I know, I know. It's, it's something I gotta. Yeah, I promised I, my audio engineer that I would uh, put you on the spot in the middle of the podcast. But <laughs> oh, it's all good. <laughs> I so I did put an offer on a house. Um, uh, it was a long time ago, and I don't know why. Ever since then, I just kind of like had this fear because I was so attached to the house. It was in Oak Park, and I wish I bought it because it's pretty much tripled in price now but uh i just i at the time i was just like i don't know what uh like why i didn't pull the trigger well the cosmos knew that you get this really cool (laughs) farm yes well exactly so yeah i was living in southfield in, in this condo that i was renting for a while i loved it there and we just moved out to the farmland and so we're renting some property and we're get looking to build and i never started really thinking about um uh, getting into it for investment purposes until recently, so that's kind of where I uh, I am completely like new to it in terms of like trying to find the right property, trying to get the right price, and knowing what to rent it at, and all of that is completely alien to me. But um, that's kind of why I haven't really dove into it, but it's definitely a, an interest of mine. Well, I'm going to diverge slightly from the conversation where having prior to this, and I'll use this opportunity to preach to the, uh, the listeners, and that is, I always get so jealous of my W-2 friends. <laughs> you, you draw a W-2 from SIA, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> uh, and it's so fascinating to me. If you have a solid W-2 income, and maybe you're renting, maybe you own somewhere, that W-2 income just prints money for you. You can go to any lender and say, here's my income. They say, cool, what do you want to buy? And you're like, this $150,000 duplex. All right, what does it appraise for? Appraise for $150,000, cool. Your down payment will be 20%. Well, that is not a difficult number to come up with when you are proactive and saving. And here's what you can do. You can, as long as you've saved up for the down payment, you can buy an investment property with your W-2 income on a conventional loan, 20% down. As soon as you own it, the income from it covers the debt on your like debt to income ratio. Oh. And the moment you own it, 75% of the rent offsets. So let's just say you had a debt to income ratio that allows you to buy at 200,000 okay. or 300,000. Mm-hmm. The moment you own it, you could go out and buy another one. Even though you're holding a $300,000 debt, yeah. the lenders don't see it as debt because it has a cash flow attached to it okay. and it zeroes itself out on your ledger and you can do it again. Interesting. And then you can do it again. And I think you can go up to 10 before they start making you jump into portfolio loans. So you could, as fast as you can save up down payments, you could be printing investment properties. And that's only with 20% down, you're saying? 20% down. Wow. So, you know, depending on how long it takes you to, you know, if you were to target $60,000 properties, yeah. single family homes, you could do that for, let's just round up to, is that $15,000 is 20%? No, that'd be 25%. Mm-hmm. Let's just say 25%, 15,000, cover your closing costs and everything. Mm-hmm. So every time that you can save up 15,000, you could buy another one. Okay. And then save 15,000 and buy another one. Save 15,000, buy another one. And as soon as you own three or four of them and all those rents are hitting you, they're buying the next down payment. Interesting. So, I don't know. I have uh, some serial investors who are taking their W-2 income, and a lot of people quit their day job to get into real estate investing, and it's so counterintuitive, because the best tool in real estate investing Mm -hmm. 
is the person who has a W-2 income from somewhere. Not the self-employed, not the entrepreneur. Those guys have a hard time getting loans mm -hmm. and they usually end up doing cash purchasing. I own all 14 of my doors in cash mm -hmm. because it's so difficult to get a loan in my profession. Yeah. But you are at a magical moment. You should huh. start stockpiling rental <laughs> properties. Interesting, I did not know that. Up to 10 you said too? Up to 10. So even, like, let's say I'm approved for so much for one, that you're saying that amount I can basically over do it 10 Over times. and over Insane. and over wow. They will look at your debt load and they'll say, all right, you now have $3 million in debt. Hmm. But all $3 million of it is offset by the $400,000 per year you bring in in residential rent. Interesting. Wow. Okay, I'm inspired. <laughs> you should be. I think yeah, that's everyone really with a W two should call me and say, "Let's get the first one," because it's just—it's yeah. hard to. They call it inertia, you know, yeah. like an object at rest likes to stay at rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but an object in motion stays in motion. Let's get you moving. Yeah, let's I'm get the first here, one. So yeah. just me and my thinking alone, I was way overthinking. You and <laughs> you and everyone else. Yeah. I think too little. <laughs> Diop and I were touring a building that I want to buy, mm -hmm. and I'm like, "Cool, let's do it." And we were adding that it was like two million dollars of rehab needed. <laughs> oh my gosh! Jeez, is that like a new foundation or just? No, the building's fine. Like it's, there's thirty residential units. Each oh. one needs about fifty thousand, oh and then seven gosh. commercial units, and they all need. I mean, one of them, the entire floor is collapsed. You're looking at the basement. Oh jeez. Okay, wow. <laughs> but I thought about this. All right, so another tangent. There's a commercial space, a ground floor in this building, and if you keep the floor collapsed, you don't bother to rebuild that floor. Mm -hmm. When you walk in off of the, the ground level into that commercial space, imagine a platform mm -hmm. with a spiral staircase down. Oh yeah. And right off the bat, it's like a little nightclub or a oh, little, like I was in Berlin, right? And like these little rave bars, they can be small, they can be intimate, they have a good DJ, they oh, got yeah. great music, they pump until two in the morning, mm -hmm. four in the morning, six in the morning. Like yeah. the one I went to is called the Kit Kat Club. I didn't get into the building until two in the morning. <laughs> Are you serious? I know which club you're talking about too. And I was there until eight in the morning. Oh, it was just gosh. like the music gets you, the, the like, oh, you, you, you don't want to leave when the sun's up and you're like, oh, I better go to bed. <laughs> There's a Kit Kat Club in my hometown now. Right at 25. Is it a franchise? I definitely not. This I is like think so. as, as much of a hole in wall as you could. Well, this was Berlin line. Grunge, which oh, felt like gotcha. a hole in the wall. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But I went, I went on EDM night, so it had a, <laughs> a very electric feel. Well, I was gonna say this is Detroit, so that's what uh, people would love. It's like you just keep that kind of raw, you know, uh, put the spiral staircase, the the mix of the old and the new, and leave that's what the, we thrive on. Leave the water stained concrete. Yes, leave, people pay like, for that now. Just they polish the floor, <laughs> put a little DJ booth yeah. in the corner. Yeah. And honestly, because it still is a two-story space that you have now turned into a twenty-foot-tall one-story mm -hmm. space, twenty-four-foot-tall. It wouldn't be difficult to put the DJ booth also elevated. Oh yeah. <laughs> what would have been ground floor, but it's like a whole story above the basement where the dance floor is. Yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> what if each corner had a spiral staircase up to some little pod? One of them's the DJ booth, one of them's the entrance, and then two of them are. The downside, I think, is the city might say I need an elevator. Well, there's elevator there, right? Not to the basement. Well, 
Do people have to get to the basement though? Is that or is that where? I'm saying when you walk in, you oh. you're from ground floor. The first thing you do is a spiral oh, gotcha, staircase. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, that, so that's the entry. You don't think of the Kit Kat Club needing to be ADA compliant, <laughs> but it should be. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's open a nightclub. Let's open a nightclub. <laughs> I love it. So the uh, the X identity. We're gonna mm-hmm. we, sure. we talked to C out for a while. Yeah. Uh, X identity is. A new brand. It used to be called something else. Yeah, it used to be uh, Couture. It was just a complicated name to. No one could say pronounce it. Right? Yeah, Branding is important. It is. It is. It's a valuable lesson. But uh, it's funny because uh, when my partner and I first came up with it, um, we called it X Studio, and so that was uh, something that, like, like we put it on our our. Uh, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Our uh, <laughs> our business. Uh, what am I trying to say? When you put together a business. Anyways, uh, we, so we titled it X, X Studio. We knew what we wanted to do. We started writing everything out, our business plan, sorry. Yeah. And, um, uh, and so we, when we were kind of talking about this new name, X was always kind of like, well, we were just filling in the blank then. It was just like an integer, something that can oh, always change like and Oh, it's like name TBA. Yeah. And eventually what the actual thing gets called is TBA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So it's kind of like, but in, in what we've come to with the X identity is the name is like, that's kind of what we're doing. Everything needs an identity, whether it's a building or a brand. Everything has this identity, and then we come here to solve the X. So, I love it. yeah. I don't think this is the story behind my brother's name. My brother named his oldest son Mason. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling there's a different story behind why they picked Mason. But I know a Mason whose name was picked because at the time that the baby was uh, the size of, you know, a lemon. Mm-hmm. The mom's like, oh, maybe the size of a lemon. By the time it's the size of an avocado. Oh, it's the size of the avocado. Well, at some point, some website's like, your baby is now the size of a mason jar. <laughs> and she was like, mason's a great name. <laughs> this is wrong with that. <laughs> I love that. So, names come from the weirdest inspiration. <laughs> my, my nephew's Mason. That's a good name. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah. It's a solid name. My nephew's name is Mason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, your ex-identity now, no mm-hmm. longer creature. Yep. Yeah, out with the old and with the new. <laughs> yeah, and what is your like? Are you taking new clients? What's your specialty? Yeah, so uh, we work with a lot of uh, regular clients. Um, some of them are old, you know, old uh, old firms that I had worked for or my partner had worked for, and we just kind of kept the relationship. But really, our our uh, specialty is the visualizations. And uh, we do really high-end, uh, impactful, you know, animations, videos, virtual reality, like you saw in your project. Um, and it's just kind of what gets us going. We love design. Design's always like our core. And with Couture, we did a lot of architectural work, um, which we still do. It's just we're trying to focus our our um, strategy more towards the visualization, as we see that that's something that is our niche and that we love doing, and we love seeing the new technology coming out, especially with. Uh, um, you know the, the the metaverse and where the digital landscape is going. So this is the stuff that really excites us. We're nerds about it, and uh, yeah, that's. So I have uh, five other commercial spaces in this building. After JTA takes one of the leases, mm-hmm. and the other five, I need people to take these leases, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is going to be my tequila brand. I'm launching a tequila brand that's going to actually. So agave is what makes tequila. Mm-hmm. And the agave, the blue agave grown in certain regions gets the designation tequila. Yep. 
other agave gets a de designation mezcal. If it's in small batch quantities, we're drinking mezcal right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, There's a <laughs> third varietal called Sotol, and it's only grown in northern Mexico, which happens to be where I was born mm -hmm. and lived 20 years of my life. This Sotol is what uh, I plan to launch as a, like, a spirits birthed in Detroit, inspired by Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and we will have one of the spaces there dedicated to like a little tequila bar. Mm -hmm. But my thought process is, and this is where you and I can brainstorm right here live with everyone. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, imagine a little bit more of an experience where when you walk in, you can jump into a VR experience mm -hmm. where when you put on the goggles, it is preloaded to show you the fields where the agave was grown. Mm -hmm. And you can like get in close and inspect the... The, the plant, and then you can skip to where that was shaved down into a little pineapple of, of agave and baked for 24 hours in this massive, like, the size of a Yukon XL mm -hmm. oven. Uh, and then you can skip to where then they press it in this thing called the Molino, and then you can <laughs> see where the juices turn into the extract that they distill to make the... And, and you can, like, virtual reality walk the path of earth yes. to beverage, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun to take you guys with me down to Mexico, uh, film this whole process, it. turn it into an experiential reality, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And then when you're there, before you do any sampling and tasting, before you do any buying, you get brought into the production and level of it. And yeah. you get to see the distillation and the bottling and everything. You get to meet in video, but in virtual reality where you're like, almost interacting face-to-face mm -hmm. -face with the person who grew the agave. Oh, and you're yes. hearing them with subtitles saying <laughs> how it's made in Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. A really great experience. Yes. And I don't know how to incorporate the smells. Yes. I feel like there'd be a way to, like, maybe where you do it, there's, like, a dirt floor. And oh, you're, yeah. like, occasionally watering it to, like, bring up the, f the smell of the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, this is honestly why I... I I'm like I love EJ like but what you do is uh, you, you just, well he's a dreamer you're a dreamer like you don't you're not like a, a typical person that's just like I want to do a tequila company like you think outside the box and I love to try to think of an idea or like a way to make it happen but what you're talking about is like you're creating an experience of a product that is uh, it, I mean you're, what you're doing is you're telling um, the story of the product and I think there's a huge disconnect between how it's produced from the product to the delivery and I think that gives so much more tells so much more the story and you talking about like this um, what I would call like a 4D experience where you've got the sense of the agave you're seeing how it's handmade so there's so much more appreciation that goes into it when you grind the the agave pineapple mm -hmm. down into the molino mm -hmm. you can actually take that husk from Mexico and like you could turn it into bags yeah. That could have the brand Sotol, like it, you know how hemp is like the derivative of mm -hmm. or the the the, the remains of yeah, a the good byproduct, a good byproduct of a good marijuana plant. And there's a lot of uses of hemp. Hemp oh, yeah. can make T-shirts. Hemp can make <laughs> yep. like we can do all that with the exact same mm -hmm. fibers. Mm -hmm. So I gotta find a place here locally that will turn my agave fibers <laughs> straight into the bag that they oh, take their agave awesome. home in. Right. That is so cool. They could be feeling it and smelling it while they're in their VR mm -hmm. setting. So, uh, book a uh, flight with me to Mexico in January. Let's do it. I'm down. I'm in. I'll let the wife know. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, we're going to Mexico. <laughs> Megan is invited. She is a party wherever yes. she oh, goes. She is. She is. 
is. <laughs> and she'll tell you. She'll be like, this is, you know, she'll be like, this, she's a curator, so. <laughs> awesome. Well, one of my favorite parts about real estate is that it pretty much permeates every part of life. That you, like, without exception, need a place to live. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whether you're homeless or, or residing in a home, whether it's an apartment, a studio, a condo, I don't care. Like, there's a place where you sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that that also grows into where you create wealth, you know, like whether it's a, a residential portfolio that turns into a passive income stream or where you run your business, you know, as you guys are doing X identity, I'm guessing you guys are affected by the recent shutdown of this building. Yeah, well, <laughs> or was your lease? Were you like hoping to get out and now you get <laughs> well, out? Well, we ha- yeah, I was gonna say we don't really have a use for the the space anymore, but that was kind of a little bit of a news flash to us yesterday. So, yeah, but are. it's not bad. I mean, every the, the every, you got to be resilient. Everything's you know the world's changing every single day. So when you say you didn't need the space anymore, do you guys like where does everyone work from? We're just we're just uh, I mean, so for me it's like nights and weekends. So I'm usually home, but um, for the rest of the team, uh, we have the studio that's uh, in Albania, and we pretty much are fully set up to be remote now. So every yeah. single person is. Uh, and we just find it better that way. We used to be so hung up on doing in-person meetings and we just found, okay, well, traffic. And then you just kind of lose the flow where we found that, you know, virtual meetings, you can do it on a car ride or whatever. And guess what? The conversation happens and then you move on with the rest of the week. So things just move faster. Uh, We've implemented things like Slack, which, you know, I'm sure most people are familiar with, but that has been a game changer for us is now we've implemented all these new plugins where pretty much everything's automated. And I think what we've done is really perfected a system that makes everything ease, uh, easy for everybody, communication's clear, and we're able to just focus on what we love, which is design and creating. I love it. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Yeah. I want you to make sure to call your partner when we're done and say, hey, Jersey, I took your spot. Yeah. I've, I've been offering him a podcast spot for a few weeks now. Oh, yeah. And he keeps me like, yeah, yeah, let me know when, let me know when. And I keep being like... Wednesdays at 2.30? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not in town. I'm, like, I'm not sure. Is he currently in Germany, Albania? Yeah, he's, he's in Albania, I think. Well, actually, I never know. He's a man of mystery. Never know. <laughs> but I'm glad you joined me. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This is really cool. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.